Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. You know, there's always one um, scripture that I found that talked about spiritual maturity that I thought was really interesting, and it's Hebrews 5. And he's talking to this group of people who knew the Torah, who knew the scriptures very, very well. And um, he was talking to them about basically kind of being dull. And he says, for this time, you ought to be teachers by now. Like it doesn't take a long time in this walk to really grow in wisdom and understanding. It just doesn't. I mean, there's, there's, there's something about being led by the best teacher there is, the Spirit who leads us into all truth that causes mature, it's miracle grow. It causes maturity to come to your mind and your heart. It transforms you into someone new. And um, the writer of Hebrews is saying, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you still need somebody to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. It says, you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who only partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That's the word for maturity. Of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both that which is good and evil. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, There's something to spiritual discernment and spiritual sight and spiritual understanding that comes from actually seeing the Bible and understanding it in a mature way, with an intelligent, clear mind, renewed mind. And it calls it, it says that that solid food, in other words, the deep things of God, come from stepping into the maturity, the full age, the teleos is, is the word that's there. Um, and it causes you to enter into deeper things of the Lord. And that's where I feel like we're, we're obviously all called to go, to see it beyond the surface, but into the depths of what the Bible's saying, into the depths of what the story that everyone's celebrating this time of year. It goes on in Hebrews 6 and talk about leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ. Let's go on to perfection, maturity. Not laying the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith, the doctrines of baptisms, laying on of hands. That's the miraculous powers of the gifts of the Spirit. The resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will do if God permits. And it's talking about stepping past the elementary things of even the surface teachings of the Bible or the things that we're supposed to know from the ground from, from ground, from the ground level, and into that which is mature. And it's true, I, I believe it's, it's, it's Romans 8 that says that all of creation is groaning and longing for the mature sons of God Amen. to step into their identity. And so we have sometimes this mentality of, of waiting on God when the reality is, Hebrews 10 says, God is waiting on us. Jesus is seated at the right hand of His Father, and he's waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. He's seated, finished from what he's going to do. Like we're waiting on him to do something that he's already done, where he's actually seated. He's finished his work. He's finished his accomplishment, and he's waiting for his enemies to be made into his footstool. Does that mean he's waiting to go and defeat his enemy? It's like, no, that he's, he's defeated his enemy, but he's waiting for that victorious reality to be realized by his people on the earth. Because the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, the earth is his footstool. He's waiting for, for mankind to take the authority which he's given us to step into the maturity that all of the earth is groaning for, right? And to subdue darkness here on the earth. The prayer he gave us to pray that the, that the gates of hell will not prevail. This comes from the mature sons that the earth is longing for and groaning for, stepping into their true identity. And that's our calling and purpose. And it comes from actually not being unskilled in the Word of God, but having our roots dug deep into it, you know, stepping into the true maturity. It's interesting. Um, The first book of the Bible, I've told you guys this, and it's kind of funny. Like, I used to read the Bible when I was a new believer. I read the Bible for a few years because it was my discipline. I would read a chapter or two a day at least, and honestly, I, w- I would pray in the Spirit usually every single day for 30 minutes to an hour, every single morning. Like That was the jump off for me. 
nobody told me that that had gone away. So I, I just, I missed, missed out on that and, and actually stepped into it. Right. But it's just like that, that was something I don't talk about much, but that's, that was my discipline every single day. But the silly thing about it is, is I didn't really understand the Bible very well. It was hard for me to keep trap, track of Peter, James, and John, and Silas, and Barnabas, and all these different names. And I just liked the fights in the Old Testament, the violence, you know, but I, I, I didn't track very well with the Gospels. They were kind of boring to me, to be honest. If you know me now, that's like, wow, that's interesting. You know what I mean? But I didn't track well with it, and I definitely didn't track well with the, the letters or the epistles. I just didn't understand them very well. But I read them faithfully to try, and I prayed, and I tried to walk out what I was learning. Now, I've said this before, the first uh, chapter that ever opened to me to where I actually saw it and understand it as if I watched it like a movie, like what we say here, was John 4. But the, but the second that, that was open to me was the book of James. And in the book of James, I remember one morning, I lived in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, and I was sleeping face down that morning, and I awoke. I woke up, and I, and I, I was awake, and I, ha- I experienced what a lot of people call the internal, the internal audible voice. And maybe you've had that happen for you, where it's not like you're even trying to think, but you hear a voice inside of your mind, as if somebody else lives inside of you. Imagine that, New Testament Christianity. And um, the voice, it said one word, and it was James. And I wasn't in a relationship with anybody named James. I mean, I knew a couple of Jameses I grew up, you know, but I didn't have any. I was like, James. It's just, it was so loud and clear that it startled me like, whoa. And I woke up and I started to read the book of James. And that was the first book of the Bible, especially that wasn't a story. Because I like the st- stories are a little easier to follow. But it was actually teaching and somebody talking and writing a letter. And I was actually able to understand what it was saying. It was the first one that ever happened to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I hear all the time people listen to these all over the United States, these messages, and even the world now. And it's, it blows my mind, you know what I mean? Because it's like, wow, these things get out there now. Um, but I say, I say silly things like I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer and, you know, I, all, all these little silly things. But, like, I, I, I remember no matter what people think of me as, like, a biblical teacher or whatever, which a lot of that's the way I'm considered, obviously, right? But... Um, but I didn't, it wasn't long ago that I didn't understand what I was reading. Honestly, I'm not saying that to be like, that's not like false humility. Like I really didn't, I was just doing it and, uh, and being faithful with it. And I started reading James one, you know, and it begins with count it all joy when you encounter various trials, understanding that the pressures of this life this maturity that we're talking about in Hebrews 5.14, this maturity is a way of viewing everything differently, right? Everything differently. And it's one thing that I, I love about this time of year. I, I do and I don't because it's like Christmas comes and everybody's distracted because everyone's got all the Christmas a- activities and programs and all these little things that we do. Um, you know what I'm saying? But it's like the reality that this year what this type of this time of year is actually talking about right is like there was a plan of god that was so unseen and so unheard and so unknown and it was so risky and vulnerable that he literally transformed and came into a woman's womb and was born on the earth was completely vulnerable to any attack you know the most defenseless being there is a baby not only defenseless from the enemy they can't even feed their own selves you know what I mean? They can't, like most of them can't even roll over until they're a certain number of months old. You know what I mean? They need com- constant care and attention. You know what I mean? And he comes by stealth. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 that if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. It was a plan that was so out of sight and out of mind, so crazy, just absolutely nuts, that he manifests and nobody sees it from the beginning to the end until it was too late. And he redeemed everybody. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And here we are this time of year, and like, oh, you know, you know, it's like we're, we're celebrating, you know, Christmas and the birth of Jesus and the nativity scenes are everywhere. But it's like, do, do we realize what we're talking about is like the most stealth mission that was ever accomplished and that now he's seated in heaven waiting for his enemies to be his footstools. In other words, he's seating, seated there, Hebrews 10, and the baton has been passed to us and we're celebrating the reality of the stealth mission that we have officially been, we were powerless, 
have been redeemed and empowered by him, by his spirit, to enact his redemption over the entire planet. And that's, that's the real plan of God for us. It's not about, you know, stockings. And, and I, lo- I love gift. Everybody likes Christmas, you know. It's like, I think actually in the kids' room today, they're telling them like, yo, Santa's not real. This is about Jesus. So I hope all the parents are okay with that. But I'll let you sweat if I'm telling the truth about that or not. You know, a couple of you are like, he's joking, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, so anyhow, <clears throat> immature moment, let it pass. But it's like, this time of year, it's like, think about the scope of this entire thing that we're celebrating and um, the stealth operation. And then step into it with a mature, a mature mind is not a baby just constantly needs. It cries when it wants food, when it needs to go to sleep, when, it needs to be, when it's too hot or too cold. It has, no, it has no consciousness of anything but its own self and its own needs. And the Bible's talking about all of creation is groaning longing for people to be mature and to step into this reality, to move past the elementary principles of Christianity, not past them, but like to have them so solidified as the foundation that they move into the depths, past the milk, into the solid meat and food that God wants to give us. And there's this path of maturity that when I read James, I remember thinking like, wow, even to rejoice when you experience trial, knowing that it's producing something. It's like this mission mindset, like we're here for a mission. And we're just as stealth as he was, right? And it's like we're here to live in such a way that his kingdom would come and his will would be done through our lives and on the earth as it is in heaven. To come in partnership with heaven and usher the kingdom of heaven in, even in the prayer that he gave us, you know. And I love that. And it says, if anybody lacks wisdom, James 1.5, let him ask God who gives liberally and without reproach. In other words, he's not, he's not your old coach. It's like, you don't know that? You're an idiot. You're supposed to know that by now. It's like, there's no reproach. There's no rebuke over it. Like, hey, I'm actually, I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. I need to see like you. It's like, hey, I want you to have wisdom of heaven. I want you to see like me. And it talks about every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variance or shadow or turning or changing. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not good cop, bad cop. You know, all this beautiful meat that's in James that started to open itself up to me. And one verse especially in James that I I thought was really great concerning maturity and follow-through, which is the missing link for so many. But James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like a man who observes your face in a mirror. But when you go away, you immediately forget what you look like. And it's just like, what a silly thing to say. Somebody who just loves their ears to be tickled and they're just... They, they hear it, but they don't walk it out in their life. Like, hey, this has to be applied and walked out in your life. Because if you're, a, if you're just a hearer but not a doer, you don't live this thing, this ain't your life, then you're like somebody who looks and sees what you actually look like, but when you go away, you forget who you are. It's, it's saying like, this is your identity. When you see into the scriptures and you see the nature of who God is, that he's empowered you, the goodness of your father, when you see that, and you live that. You, you're a doer of it. You, you, you pre, you're a practitioner of the love of God. It's becoming you. It's, it's actually becoming your identity. But when you're not, you have to constantly be reminded. Like, oh yeah, that's me. Which is what repentance is. It's a turn in, into the truth. But, but I love it. You know, it goes on, you know, James in itself. It says, don't let many of you become teachers or receive a stricter judgment because we stumble in many ways. If, in James 3, if, if anyone doesn't stumble in their words, they're a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. And that word will jump out at you because it's the same word that's used in Hebrews 5.14 that talked about the mature who actually don't just sip the milk, but they actually eat the solid food, the meat of the word. And he's literally saying, like, what is the way? What is the the path to true maturity that all of creation is groaning and longing for, that God's empowered us with, is it to memorize the most of the Bible? It's like, well, you can do it. You can read it like me, like I did for several years without ever knowing it. I could probably have quoted it a few times, but, you know, I didn't fully understand the majority of it. Or it sounds like, hey, if you bridle your tongue, if you, if you are consciously abiding in the Lord Jesus, you have control of your mouth, and only that which is life comes out of you. Yeah. You're practicing this walk. And it's like, wow, so that's the path of maturity? 
It's like, absolutely. Because out of the, what, it, what does it say? That out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said the same thing. Didn't Jesus say, it's not what goes into somebody that defiles them. It's what comes out of them. You're like, hey, they're eating this or they're doing that. It's like, hey, it's not about those things. Think about, think about Peter having the sheet lowered down to him in the trance that opened the new covenant to the, to the rest of the world outside of Jewish people. Arise, kill and eat. I've never eaten anything unclean. Like, don't call it unclean. Those are your religious rules. It's not what goes in, how you work and how you behave. It's what comes out because what comes out is the manifestation of the heart. And I love that, seeing that in, in, in James 3. I was, well, I, well, well, that's easy. If I'm going to walk in the maturity of God and the authority of God and the open heaven, if you will, of the kingdom and release the life of, of, of God everywhere I go, all I got to do is watch my mouth. It's not talking about profanity. It can, it can count as that, but it's talking about negativity, backbiting, gossip, slander, negative self-talk, you know, all these different things talking about those things it's like that's all I got to do but I'm telling you give yourself a seven-day fast and say I'm not gonna say anything that's unedifying to anybody I'm gonna practice the, the Ephesians 4 let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth but only that which builds people up practice that for a week and see how hard it is you know what I mean especially if you're in relationship to it to other human beings you know what I mean and you want to be like oh man that guy so oh she's just saying that because she you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, watch the Dallas Cowboys if you're a fan. Yeah, that, that, that. See what it's like to bridle your tongue and realize how much opportunity of offense or negativity or whatever can come out of your mouth. And you realize like, okay, this is, it sounds really simple and it is simple, but easy it is not until the heart is transformed. It unearths wound. It unearths um, offense and and bitterness and those types of things. When we're conscious of the things we say, we talk. We, we have all these people talking about being present, living in the moment, and all this stuff. Sometimes that is being self or, or conscious enough to actually realize what comes out of our the gate, which is our mouth, you know. And this, it says in our scriptures, breathed of the Holy Spirit through James, Jesus's little half brother, most likely, literally says. If you bridle your tongue, you will be mature and complete. This is the path to step into the authority of God. Past the, the, the milk of the word, but into the meat. Into the understanding of what it means to move in power. The laying on of hands, as it says in Hebrews 6. The resurrection from the dead. Well, that's talking about when all things are done, right? Well, well maybe, but also these guys resurrected dead people. You know, authority over death. Like this... It's like, whoa, when you start to zoom out on this book or even zoom in, I don't know which one would work the best there. Um, but you understand there's a path to walking in maturity and it deals directly with dealing with the issues of the heart. You know what I mean? And the evidence, just like a fruit, the fruit of a tree, the evidence of our life is manifested in the words that we release. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. There's, there's training in this thing. See, the enemy is empowered in the earth, and I fully believe, through the mindsets of mankind. That's what strongholds and principalities and powers and all. That's how this whole thing works. Um, but it's also through the words of even often sometimes believers. Like 1 Peter 5, 8. You know, be sober and be vigilant because the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. The devil's always creeping. He's always lurking looking to devour somebody with his mouth. But he needs a vessel. The enemy needs people to come into agreement with them in order to release their plans, purposes, and agendas in the earth. You know what I mean? And if the, Lord, if the enemy is looking to bite and devour, and if you read 1 Peter 5, you understand it's, it's very similar to James. It's talking about selfish ambition. It's talking about jealousies and, and all these things where all the evil comes in. That's what James 3 is talking about. Peter, 1 Peter 5 is it's saying the same sort, sort of things about competition, about trying to get a leg up on other people. It's all about that tumult, tumultuous relationships that can be within the hearts of mankind that are not living in their true identity and saying like, hey, be vigilant because the devil's trying to use you to bite each other, to backbite, to release negativity. 
And you can be free of that. You can be untouchable of that. You can put him on a fast and he could be the skinniest little lion on the block. You know, he could look, what is it, uh, the skinny lion, and was it Scar on the Lion King? He could look like old cracked out Scar <laughs> in your life. Or he can look like, you know, steroid, you know, you know, he could look like the monster, you know, because you feed him all the time with your words. This is the mature Christianity. But it's also the power to the mystic walk that is the true new covenant reality we're called to walk in. And the depths of the deep things of God and the powers of the age to come, because that's what Hebrews uh, 6 talks about. Yeah. I think a really good parallel to this reality is the book of Daniel, and we won't read it all. But when you, when you, look, at, when you look at Daniel and you look at the Jewish nobles that had been carried away captive, right? Which is, that's who Daniel was and his friends. And, and Daniel's name got changed to Belteshazzar and his friends' names got changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego. And all these, basically named after the demonic deities and, and gods that were worshipped in Babylon. These pagans, pagan deities that were, were literally principalities and powers, that was the way... Paul talks about them. But it's these, the story, the book of Daniel, of these four young guys. And in the beginning of it, it just says something really simple that they were brought up basically under the king's um, house. You know, They were given three years of training, which is so interesting because three years of training is what the disciples had. So it's really, it's really interesting if you look at the book of Daniel as a parallel to the discipleship of the disciples who stepped into maturity and were given the keys to actually lead the people. You know, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Daniel, they were also in a three-year training period with God. Only their discipleship with God looked like they were under, you know, the, the prince of eunuchs and a bunch of sorcerers and witchcraft astrologers, you know? And we're like, oh, how could that be? It's like, yeah, well, Babylon, if you can see it, is a prophetic picture for all of us of living in the world. Babylon is used all the way through the, through the end of the book of Revelation as this, this picture of like the secular world. Because Babylon didn't even last all that much longer, you know, in, in these days. Persia came and, and kind of whacked them, but same place, you know, same demonic stuff. But he, he, the king appointed a daily portion of delicacies of the wine which he drank and, and this three-year training that these guys would have. But it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. So he requested the chief that was in charge of them um, that they, he wouldn't defile himself. And it says, God had brought Daniel into the goodwill and the favor of the chief of the eunuchs. And, and, and he said, hey, I fear, my Lord, I fear the king who appointed your food and drink. He's like, he's trying to beef these guys up. He wants them to be the most handsome, the most intelligent. He wants them to have the, the best whey protein and creatine for those guys in here. He wants them to have the absolute best training for as the athletes would have. He wants them to be the elite of the elite. And um, But Daniel said to the steward, uh, um, and he says, hey, just, just give us 10 days. Because his boss is like, no, nah, if I don't feed y'all what he's telling me, he's gonna, I'm going to get taken out for it. And he's like, just give us 10 days. Just give us 10 days. Which is weird, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm a fitness background. I've trained for 15 years is what I always did. You know what I mean? So it's like a 10-day transformation. That's a tough, that's a tough ask. Um, these guys are only wanting to drink water and eat vegetables. So I know what's happening to them. They're going to shrink down. They're not going to look great. Compa you know, comparative. Um, but he's like, let's test us. So he consented to them. It says at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion and gave them the, the wine and the vegetables that they had asked for. And um, as for these four young men, God, it says God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and all wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. How wonderful is that? Sounds like the new covenant. Sounds like the voice of God. It sounds like so many prophecies of the Old Testament. Isaiah 59, you know, Ezekiel 36, 26, uh, Jeremiah 31, 33, uh, Joel 2, 
in the last days, I'll support my, prophet, my spirit on all flesh, your sons, your daughters will prophesy, dream dreams, see visions. Practical Christianity that's supposed to be baseline, entry-level relationship with God. That's All of it's there. He's entering into that, into that understanding in visions and dreams. It's like, how has how his mind taken to this place where he's this intelligent? He was carried away captive as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, how, how does he get this? It's like, well, he, he, he's eating, drinking water. Well, that's not what it was, you know. It says, that at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought into the chief of the eunuchs, brought them in before King Nebuchadnezzar. He interviewed them, and among all of them, those four boys stood out more than anyone. In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Not the other students, the people that had stepped into the intelligence agencies of Babylon, the magicians and the astrologers, they were ten times better than those guys that were ahead of them, older than them, way more experienced than them, and it's like, wow, we should all be vegetarians. No. But again, I'll point you back to Matthew 15, 11, what we were talking about maturity, Jesus' words in red letters. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles. This story, as it says in 1 Corinthians 10, you know, Romans 15, you know, Paul wrote this multiple times, like these things were written for us. These things were actually written for us. It's not about your diet. It is about your diet. But as Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, your diet's not what you think it is. It's not what goes in, but what goes out that defiles. Jesus said it in John 4. Remember that one. Remember that he's the woman at the well, like, hey, it's time to eat. You haven't eaten anything. He's like, I got food that you guys don't even know about. Doing the will of the Father is food. And it's like, wow, stepping into the will of God, stepping into the maturity of heaven, stepping into the reality of the kingdom, past the milk, brings the maturity and the authority, doing His will. And so we see this parabolic picture of these guys who didn't eat the defiled, you know, and you'll hear, you know, you'll hear, oh, well, you know, they sacrificed. It's alcohol, and they don't supposed to drink alcohol, and, you know, this stuff was sacrificed to Dagon or to, to Baal, and all these things like, yeah, that's there. This is what it's about, though. They did not defile themselves with the language of that machine, which had become backwards. And it was for us to see. And they were ten times better than the magicians and the astrologers. In the second year of that king's reign, he had a dream. He was so troubled, he was freaked out about it, that he basically lets out an impossible decree. I need this dream interpreted. Not only do I need it interpreted, I want you to tell me what the dream is or else I'm going to kill you. And it's just like, wait, you want me to interpret it? Or do you want... He's like, no, I want you to tell me what it is. It's like, but you haven't told me the dream. Yeah, well, you're going to have to come up with that too or I'm going to kill you. It's like, wow. All the magicians, all the astrologers, they freaked out. Shadrach, Meshach freaked out. Like, oh my gosh, let us talk to Daniel. Buy us some time. So these guys are going to pray and boom, they pray, bought an extra night. Daniel has a dream. What happens? Daniel dreams the dream that Nebuchadnezzar dreamt. Not only does he dream it, it's really random and strange. It's eschatology. Or, well, now it's biblical history, this, this portion. But it's like he dreams the dream and he goes to the king and said, all right, this is the dream that you had. Bang, tells it to him. This is what it means. Bang, and he tells that to him. It's amazing. This little guy that ate, ate vegetables for a few years because he wouldn't defile himself. He was so devout and devoted to the Lord, even though he was in a different kingdom. You know. He wasn't seated, seat, seated, sitting down on his hands, waiting for God to break him out so he could go back to the Jerusalem. He was, he was just like Jeremiah had prophesied. You know, I know the plans and thoughts that I think towards you, plans of hope and a future, then you will know you will call to me and you will answer me. I've called you to be a blessing in the place you are right now. He was talking to the captives in Babylon. Daniel read Jeremiah because he ends up quoting him. So he knew the drill. We're actually here to be a blessing to this place. And Daniel was living it. There are so many people, even in our region, 
that are waiting for the next open door of ministry to open so that they can go and do the kingdom. And the reality is that door is not going to open, at least not the one of the Lord, until we're faithful in the here and now, ministering to those who we're called to release life to. That's the way it works. It's the message of the kingdom. It's the message of Jesus. Daniel actually knew it. He read it from Jeremiah. So here he is, and where he's at with this pagan king who's changed his name to a demonic god, it doesn't matter. Daniel's serving him with excellence, and he's saying, this is the dream you had, and this is what it means. Brilliant. It says, The king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. How about that? He made him chief. So Daniel's position, who we know is a prophet of God, I don't know if he had a name tag or not, but if he did, it said chief magician. I'm the head psychic in Babylon. Well, well, hey now, no, 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 don't talk like that. Don't use those words in church. It's like, yeah, well, that's the Bible telling you that. He became the chief magician, the chief of all the magicians of Babylon. The curriculum, their, 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 their training, their understanding came through a mole, if you will, a plant. Somebody who God had planted in there so toward that the knowledge of the kingdom of God would actually bleed into that place through Daniel, the chief of, of the magicians. I love this. In verse 49, the very last verse of Daniel 2, it says, Daniel positioned, petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon as well. But Daniel uh, sat in the gate of the king. So what did he do? So then Daniel, he used his pull to put his boys in spots. I love that. It wasn't like, I've made it. You know what I'm saying? He's like, no, I've got these other sleepers in here. I've got these other agents. And we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to petition. I'm going to use my pool. I'm going to help get them in the, in the positions that they're called to be in. How about that? You feel me? I love it. So they're surrounding this place with heaven, this pagan place. You read on, you know, the stuff that Daniel entered into. I mean, Daniel 6, they try to throw him in a lion's den. You guys know that story probably. You know what I'm saying? Lions couldn't kill him. Hungry lions where they used to kill and torture people, how they, in a pit. They tossed him in that. Couldn't happen. But guess what? They were a bunch of scar crackhead lions. Right? You know what I mean? It's just like, what is what First Peter 5, 8 and that we started with? Like, um, be sober and vigilant. The devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Daniel didn't, Daniel didn't partner with that tongue. He didn't, he didn't defile himself with those delicacies. And what does this mean? It means that um, Daniel was not touchable by those lions. They couldn't bite him. He slept on them like a pillow, and the next day woke up fine. Or at least maybe he didn't sleep. Maybe he was sweating it. I don't know. But, I mean, he was fine. You know. At Daniel 7, he, there's a theological term. I believe it's... Um, the two powers of heaven, I think, is what it, was, what it used to be called. In Judaism, the Godhead in Judaism, basically father and son, the Messiah in the, in the Ancient of Days. That's from Daniel 7. Daniel started prophesying things, one like a son of man riding upon the clouds, coming to the Ancient of Days. These two Godhead figures in one vision that Daniel has in Daniel 7. That was actually about Jesus. You know? And it was a real slap in the face to the Babylonians and to the Persians because... Uh, Baal, Baal was the god of weather. He was the cloud-riding god. Like, that's who that god was. And Daniel's taking it like, no, that's not who that is. There, there is a cloud rider, but he's one who is like a son of man. And there's also the one who is the Ancient of Days. And I see them coming together in one picture. He announces this godhead in the Old Testament before, you know, the Jews have tried to shut that down in the early first century. But it's like, before any of that happened, it's like he announced, he, he, he forecasted things that like he had no way to even know, but he stepped into what? The mature things of the kingdom. Talk about somebody who was eating meat and not drinking milk. It's somebody who refused to defile themselves. You see the path? It seems like, yeah, like if you want to walk in maturity, you hold your tongue. You, you, you bridle your tongue. It is like a, it's like a rudder that steers a ship, James 3. It's like, it's like this reality that's like, if you, if you want to step into the maturity things of God, if you want to step into the, the dreams and visions, the, 
the, the deep things of the Spirit of God that are always confirmed by the Scripture only. Uh, it's like if you want to experience and know God in a profound way, it comes from being lo- having a heart that is loyal to Him and not defiling yourself with what you speak. I think it's so, cra- so great, the stuff that He stepped into. Yeah. I mean, Matthew chapter 2, right? It's like you step into Matthew chapter 2, and that one who rode the clouds, the one who literally stood before Caiaphas when he was on trial, and he says, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. He, Jesus quotes what Daniel wrote. Can you imagine that? And Jesus talked about Daniel as well. But Jesus quotes the vision of Daniel. This, this chief magician, the, I'm the head sorcerer of Babylon. The, the chief sorcerer, the head sorcerer, Jesus quotes him to Caiaphas, you'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. And Caiaphas knew. And he says, this is blasphemy towards Rhodes. We've got to kill him. Because he knew the one riding the clouds was God. And the Ancient of Days was God. They believed this back then. They tried to swallow that belief and hide it. But they believed it. And you can see it in the scriptures. He tears his robes up. This is blasphemy. You know what I mean? He tries to fight it. You know. But Jesus comes in the most vulnerable spot as an infant to a couple teenage parents who are hiding a very controversial pregnancy, if you will. You know what I mean? Think about that. And, and because of Daniel's faithfulness to not defile himself and to live in loyalty to the kingdom. It's like, I think, and I, Steve is not here, one of the elders here, and he says something so beautiful about... Um, even the things that we watch, the things that we look at, um, the things that we say. And the way Steve puts it, it's so, so great. He's like, I, I do not want to jeopardize my connection with the Lord. Like, I don't want to step out of alignment in any way with God. I don't want to entertain anything dark because like I want, it's not a religious works thing. It's like, I want to be so in alignment with him that my, my river is flowing between him and I, and I'm hearing what he's saying. I'm seeing what he's doing, and I'm in step with him. I don't want to sever that. All these bitternesses and negativities and, and even the perversions and those type of things that people get caught up in there, it's like, oh, is that a sin? It's like, well, what it is, it's a defilement that causes us not to see clearly and to hear clearly. Like The most valuable thing to protect is our connection. It is the true fear of the Lord. Protect that connection because like there's nothing greater than hearing his voice and actually being led of him You know, what I mean, and it's the path of life the scripture illuminating to you. It's 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 wonderful But here's Daniel put in this brilliant brilliant position and King Herod who steps out and tries to kill every man every child two years old and and under Or maybe it was three years old and under in the book of Matthew and um it's just like, let me see this. Mm. I know, I, I, I have to catch some of those things sometimes. Two, two years old and under. Here's Herod trying to kill every kid that's two years old and under because he realizes, oh no, the Messiah was born potentially and I didn't catch him. But the people who came and provided money for baby Jesus, the most vulnerable package in the world, but the most brilliant, the atom bomb, really, um, that would set off everything on the earth, the ones who came and funded him to be able to get out of Bethlehem were some wizards, magicians, witchcraft sorcerers, astrologers from Babylon. You know? (laughs) And it's like, what? And almost every scholar will agree, you know, Daniel's in line 600 years-ish before this, 500, you know, something years before this, 600 years before this. Um, He's over the astrologers. He's the chief magician. He's influencing them. He's teaching them. He's the, he's the, I almost said he's Dumbledore. If that's going to, you know, you know, he's the, he's the, the headmaster of all these, all these astrologers and people, right? And, and, He's teaching them things, and nobody finds who Jesus is. Nobody finds him. None of the religious scholars knowing he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Nobody finds him except people directly or, I guess, indirectly down the lineage that have been trained according to Daniel's knowledge in Babylon. These Persian guys from the east 
because Persia came and, 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 and ransacked Babylon, you know what I'm saying? But all, even the ancient art, like they were dressed in Persian garb, they say there was three of them, who really knows? But it's like, these guys that we call the Magi, how, how funny is that? That's because that's what the Bible calls them. Well, King James tried to church it up. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Matthew 2, verse 1. Click on that word. Magi. Magicians. It's that word. It's the, it's the root of that. It's that word that translates that. You know, I'm saying, well, sorcery is evil. Like, yes, it's evil. But, but that's not what this is about. Magicians. I did a teaching on this a, a year or two ago. It's a lot more in depth, and I think it's called the Christmas Wizards. And that one got a lot of play, dude. But uh, these, these wizards, these Christmas wizard magician astrologers, these stargazing wizards showed up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and these teenage parents, you know, are just like, what's going on? I think Jesus was probably about a year old. And as soon as they, they showed up to wherever they were living in Bethlehem at that point of time and saw that little kid, that's usually when they start walking, you know, around then. I saw him stumbling around. They came and started bowed down to him and worshiped him like he was a god. Because he was. You know what I mean? So Mary and Joseph, can you imagine being them teenage parents and seeing these guys come dressed in these expansive fancy clothes, showing up at your house and just dropping, dropping before your baby? You're like, whoa. And they got a bunch of gold bricks or whatever they had with them to drop off for you? Here's, here's a bunch of money and provision. It's like, that baby's paying their bills. That baby's taking care of them, dude. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what is happening here? Right? We got all these nativity scenes. Got them in town everywhere, you know. Mary and Joseph and that little, that little blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby Jesus that's laying there in the trough, you know. Beautiful little blue eyes, yellow hair, golden hair. Um, and, you, and a lot of times you got the three wizards. Well, don't call them wizards. You got the three, they're wise men. They were a tribe of, they were one of the Jewish tribes, maybe separated. That's what some commentary is saying. Like, no, they weren't. These are some, these are some, some Christmas wizards, dude. That's what they were. They're some, some astrologizing, uh, stargazing wizards. You know, this is Gandalf, man, rolling up, dude, Dumbledore, or whatever you want to call it. But these guys found him before anybody else and funded him all this money. But it says after they gave him all this money, God gave them a dream not to go back to Herod and tell him where they were. So it's like, who are these wizards that God's talking to, steering their life, following a star? Jupiter and Regulus, the king planet and the king star, which joined together in 3 BC and stood according to the star map that is Revelation 12, exactly as Revelation 12 says it. And here it's standing in one place and it, and it retrogrades. So it goes back and forth and it's strange from, according to the night sky in Jerusalem. And here they are following that saying, that's the king star, that's the king planet. They're together. This is, the king is to be born this year. Oh, wait, is it a Jubilee year? Yeah, it is. Oh, wait, it happens to fall on Rosh Hashanah, the year of the Davidic king's announcement. You know, like all these prophetic things about Jesus. They saw it and nobody in town saw it. None of the church folks saw it, but these wizards saw it. And God allowed them to see it. And they came and gave gifts to God out of their giftings. And they were trained by this guy. Can you imagine leaving a legacy like that that impacted the kingdom? Generations past you. Your teaching, your knowledge. The, imagine the words you speak to a random person in this city who has a relative in another city and a relative in another country. And, 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 and the life you give to somebody, the, the, the manifestation of the Spirit, the, the confirmation, God talked to them and you gave them the same word. Or you know whatever it could be and how that impacts them and impacts other people. And then you get to heaven and you realize like, whoa, I did what? like that one act right there spread around the world you know but i thought we had to stand on the corners and yell at people that are going to hell no no that's not even the bible that's not even what we're doing unless you twist it you twist it a little bit and make that happen but um these guys are are are, are the heavens declare the glory of the lord the firmament does you know what i mean psalm 19 it's 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 the the stars of the heavens speak. Their line goes to the end of the earth. You know the stuff the Apostle Paul quotes, you know what I'm saying? In um, Romans, it's like, it's, it's beautiful. Everybody's seen it. They just haven't known 
because faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the word of Christ. It's right before everyone's eyes. They just need to understand that it's talking about Jesus, and this is our role. Yeah, man. Daniel was faithful in his field. He was faithful in his zone. Him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was faithful to walk in the maturity of God. And guess what? His lineage or his spiritual lineage, the people he taught, the people he helped raise, that knowledge, that understanding came all the way through to actually Jesus' front door and gave his parents the financial means to get out of Dodge and to live in Egypt. Jesus lived in Egypt for a little while when he was little. And it's, it's brilliant if you read Matthew 2. The Lord, the Lord speaks to these magicians in a dream. Hey, don't go back to Herod. Go a different way back to Babylon, to, where you're, to, to the land of the east. <laughs> and the next verse, then he speaks to Joseph. Yo, time to go to Egypt. I want you to go live there for a while. Okay. Gets out of town. What happens? Herod realized he was tricked by the wise men, Matthew 2. And he sends for every kid two years and old and under to be killed. But luckily, the woman, Mary and Joseph, they were given wings like an eagle and they were carried away into the wilderness of, of Egypt. So it's, it's beautiful. It's Revelation 12, it's Matthew 2, it's all these different things. It's, it's, our, it's our reality. It really is. Maturity. The Apostle Paul Romans 10, 17, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But indeed, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, they have. Verse 18, he quotes the psalm, chapter 19. Their line has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Talking about the stars of heaven. It's like these, these men were faithful and they found the Lord because of the faithfulness of those who had gone before them. Those who, as a prophetic picture for us, chose not to defile themselves. And as it says in the book of James, just as Jesus said, it's not what goes out, but come, what, come, what comes in, but what goes out. Um, he who bridles his tongue, keeps it tight. That person is the complete man, if you have control over it. I mean, if you blurt out stuff that you can't help, that's definitely a sign of wound. You know what I mean? I can't help it. And then you want to sit on it, like, I'm not going to say anything, but after a while, like, no, I've got to. You know what so-and-so did to me the other day? You know what I mean? It just, uh, you know what I mean? Maturity is wholeness. It is completeness. Wholeness, completeness, perfection is really the way it's translated a lot of time in the, in the uh, uh, New King James. But the Lord has called us to walk this path of maturity. And all of creation is groaning and longing for it. And we have so many beautiful examples of people who did it. And have actually given us the practical insights of the path and what it looks like. You know what I mean? And it runs straight from the inside. It runs straight through the, the condition of our heart which Jesus has paid for us to step into this reality of a whole and complete heart that doesn't have stone. You feel? The healing that he has, the forgiveness that he has, it seems like that's been kind of a major hitter even this past month or so like that. You know what I mean? Like these things, like you have, you, there's never an excuse not to forgive. You always must release forgiveness to every sword, every wound and every pain that's there. Acknowledge it, release it, and ask for the wholeness and understanding that comes from it. Because it says in James 1, when you ask for the wisdom that's from above, you will get it and you will see things different. And I think that was the message for today. It was like, hey, we've got to step into this reality that Hebrews says in Hebrews 11. That by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In other words, everything was made. By the, was framed by something more real. It was framed in. It's a lesser dimension than that which is eternal and that which created it. And when we start to see that, we, are, we almost start to see life, I don't say this loosely, but almost like a game. Not a game to be played, but we see through every situation and instance in our life is actually an opportunity to grow in Him. Just like James actually opened up tonight. I'm going to become more like Him in this situation. And I think sometimes we just need the playbook to understand like, oh, that's what this is about. 
That's, that's what this re maybe relational turmoil is about, or maybe stress or pressure that I'm dealing with in life. It's like I'm learning to trust in the Lord. I'm learning to lean not on my own understanding, but on His, acknowledging Him in all my ways, and He will direct my path. Like this Proverbs 3, these, all these scriptures that come to your mind, it's like, oh, that's, oh, I'm not stuck in this situation. This is actually an opportunity to grow. This is an opportunity to have the mind renewed in a different way. Instead of seeing, seeing things as obstacles and speaking to them like, this is an obstacle. It's like then we, re we reinforce with our, with our tongue the negativity that sometimes can surround us. Instead of seeing like, no, I'm speaking life into this or that or into this person. I'm connecting to the Lord for the wholeness and the forgiveness that needs to be walked out. And I'm going to use this as, such a, as a situation that will propel me forward and release more of the kingdom of heaven. Maturity comes from the mindset that sees in this way. So, and, and, and in the reality of like, yo, we have the opportunity to be found faithful in all of these things, just like Daniel and Shadrach did. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm not going to let the, 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 the system or Babylon or the ways of the world or the situations, I'm not going to let this change who I am on the inside. You know what I mean? I'm not going to feed upon this and let it become a part of me. I'm going to see it for what it is. I'm going to eat only the words of the Lord. I'm going to choose life, and I'm going to, I'm going to advance in this time. And I'm going to become the chief magician, sorcerer. That was a joke at the end about being a sorcerer, but no, everyone's, yeah, okay. So yeah, I think, thanks. I mean, it's true. So Lord, we thank you for this reality. We thank you for the truth and the brilliance that is your word. I thank you for the 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 demonstrations of our big brothers and sisters that have gone before us, namely in this situation, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and just the, 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 the resolve that they had as an example that which was for all of us. And Lord, I ask that that same resolve would be in us, be in your family, be in your body, to literally hear your voice among, above all clamor, to listen and believe in your forecast, no matter what forecast is actually being projected that the hopeful forecast of the kingdom is our, is our reality and the love of God is our blueprint. Lord, I thank you that you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything we need has been released to us. And I thank you that this mindset even of abundance, the heavenly abundance rests upon us as your people. That we see even trials or adversity as opportunity. That we see pressure as an opportunity to actually dig our roots down into the, to the reality of your word and be more established in it. That we see people that maybe they're pagan or lost and twisted as our actual brothers and sisters that we're called to shine the light of the, of the kingdom towards. That we see even the lost that we feel like, you know, to realize, no, they have heard, they have seen, they just need to be unlocked by the key, which is Christ. That faith comes by hearing, hearing by your word, your reality. Let us be people that live that reality and unlock this world. Be a blessing to this community in this region and all the places we find ourselves. 